At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. For many years, many have asked the question, what if God was one of us? Through the incarnation of Jesus, God answered that question, and Jesus became one of us. Every year for centuries, Christians have celebrated the miracle of Jesus' birth. This Christmas season, we're diving into a new series, Emmanuel, God with us. Learning how the arrival of Jesus Christ changes everything. He came to save us, a broken and crooked world of fallen people. Join us this Christmas as we explore the miracle of Jesus' incarnation and the impact it still has on us. Merry Christmas. Great to see you here today. Now, I want to begin by taking you back to the year 2018. I want to take you back to 2018 to highlight the University of Virginia Cavaliers. They were the number one overall seed in the men's NCAA basketball tournament. And what you need to know is they had gone through the really, really tough ACC conference and they had gotten to the point where they were 31-2, and a dominant team. This was the year that the Virginia Cavaliers would finally get over the hump and make a run to the Final Four. History was about to be made. But it wasn't the kind of history that anyone wanted. You see, for the first time in the history of the NCAA tournament, the number one seed, the top overall seed, the Virginia Cavaliers lost. The Cavs didn't just lose, they got blown out by the number 16 seed, a tiny school that most of us, if I took a poll, most of us have never heard of. Anybody familiar with the University of Maryland, Baltimore County? (laughs) I didn't think so. Final score, UMBC 74, University of Virginia 54. This was a complete collapse, an utter embarrassment, the kind of thing that actually destroys a program. Now here on Christmas Eve, I'm guessing that some of you are wondering, why is he talking about college basketball? It's a fair question. What if I told you that the Virginia Cavaliers' loss can actually help us better understand the significance of the Christ child entering our world? Would you believe it? We're going to seek to understand what I mean by that in just a moment. But first, let's pray. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, we are a people who wait. As we have reflected upon the Advent season, we wait for the coming of the Christ child and we celebrate today here on Christmas Eve for the reality of the one who came and why it matters for every single person here this morning. God, we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would meet with each and every one of us. That as we open your word, God, that you might interact with us. So God, we pray for eyes to see the truth of your word. 
We pray for ears to hear this truth today, God. And that each of us would have humble, genuine hearts before you that you might do your work in us today on Christmas Eve. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The church, throughout the Advent season, we have been examining different biblical texts, different texts that show us the significance of Jesus coming to our world as a baby in human flesh. Theologians call this the incarnation. Now here on Christmas Eve, we turn our attention to the incarnation of Jesus once again. And this time what we're going to see is how Jesus' incarnation brings redemption to our world. Now before I go any further, I want to acknowledge something to you today. In just that one sentence, I just dropped a couple of theological terms on you. I dropped incarnation and I mentioned the word redemption. And the reality is both of them. Both of them are significant and important to you personally. And that's exactly why we're going to turn to the scriptures to learn more. So let's turn to the word of God and allow a letter that a man named Paul wrote to the Galatian believers teach us. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab your Bible. You're going to find that on page 974 in our church Bibles. Again, we are reading Galatians chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as you're going there, I want to set the stage for you a little bit. Paul is the man who writes this letter. Paul is a missionary. He is a church planter. And what he's done is he's planted churches throughout the region of Galatia, which is known as modern-day Turkey. Now, to be clear, the culture is Roman in its beliefs. It is Roman in its attitudes. And it is into this backdrop that the Apostle Paul enters and he proclaims the truth of Jesus, the Christ. So let's read our text together. Galatians chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You see, what the Apostle Paul has just done right there in that portion of Scripture is really simple, it's really direct. What he's done is he has revealed the difference of a life under law compared to a life of faith in Jesus. 
He's emphasized the difference of life under law with its rules and its regulations, with its striving, with its trying harder. And he's compared that with a life in Jesus. And make no mistake today, the difference is mind-boggling. Here are a couple of quick comparisons. If you have life under the law, you rely on your actions to be right with God. Conversely, if you are in a life of faith, a life of faith in Christ, you depend on the actions and the work of Jesus to be right with God. With a life under law, you must behave before you belong. In a life in Christ, it's the opposite. You belong, and then your behavior begins to change through the power of God in your life. They might say, well, Pastor, how can you make those distinctions? How can you have such clear conviction about those distinctions? Let's return to Paul's words and see why. Let's look at just those first three verses with a little more depth. He says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though is the owner of everything. But he is where guardians and under managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. Here, what the Apostle Paul is showing us is the first of three specific actions that you and I must have to experience true and lasting freedom. We must recognize our condition. You and I must recognize our condition before a holy and righteous God. You see, Paul wants his readers to see with great clarity the condition that you and I find ourselves in, and make no mistake, that is being enslaved. He explains that unless you're the owner, you have no personal ownership, you have no rights, you have no privileges. Even a child heir would be dependent upon others. He would be dependent upon guardians. He would be dependent upon teachers. He would be dependent upon managers. They all had control over the life of this child in this setting. Now, like children, Paul explains that we're all subject to the law. We are all slaves to the principles of this world. He says it right there in the text. You might say, well, Pastor, what principles that we are all striving to find our life and our joy and our fulfillment and our experiences and in the things of this world? Perhaps no greater time is this on display than at Christmas. We're seeking to find our life and our joy and our experiences in things. And here's how I know this. If you're like me, you get to the end of opening those presents. I don't care how new they are, how fancy they are, how expensive they are. And yet deep within inside you, there is this moment where you kind of go, that's it? That's it. 
I wanted a little something more. I wanted a little something deeper. I wanted something a little bit more significant because whatever it is that I received leaves me longing. You see, the truth is we're all searching for heaven from the things of this world. And we're doing that instead of resting in the God of heaven to provide for our deepest longings. This is why the most expensive gifts and even the most wonderful experiences often leave you and I unsatisfied. Now, as we acknowledge this reality, we're left with a couple of obvious questions. Say, well, where can we find something different? I got that fancy new thing. Where where can I find something different that meets those longings? Let's look back at our text. Look at verses 4 and 5. The Apostle Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. That is the truth of Christmas right there. Our deepest longings are only found in the Son who came. That is the reality and the most significant thing that can happen to you at Christmas. The Apostle Paul points us towards the only action that will give you and me true and lasting freedom. When we trust in God's saving action. When you and I place our faith, place our trust in the work of Jesus the Christ on the cross. Verse 4 tells us that this is, that at the appropriate time, God sent his son into the world. Church, this is the incarnation. There's that theological term once again. And what we see in the incarnation is that God the Father sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the expectations and the weight of the law. And it is Paul who wants you and I, as we read this letter, to know that in doing these things, Jesus became like one of us. He had an earthly mother. He came in human flesh. And then there's the weightiness of the law. So White Lake family, it's right here that we must pause because the significance of what we're talking about is far too easy for you and I to simply gloss over or overlook. Look back at the end of verse 5. Why did God send his son Jesus? To redeem those who were under the weight, under the law. You see, everything in the law of the Old Testament, everything that that demanded finds its fulfillment in the baby. Everything the law demanded finds its fulfillment in Jesus, the Christ, everything, all of it. That's why we gather today. That's why Christmas is a huge deal. Because everyone whom the emptiness of the law drives to Jesus inherits 
by faith the covenant promises that God made to Abraham. We are the recipients of that because of Christ. I love the way a pastor by the name of Thabiti Anyabale says, he says this, he says, Jesus does in in his humanity, what he does is nothing short of amazing. In his humanity, he offers God everything that we owe him. The one born in a manger. The one born at the center of the nativity scene. He changes everything. For it is in the incarnation of Jesus that God provides the way for you and I to experience redemption. Because the baby was fully God and fully man. Because his sinless life and ultimately has sacrifice on that cross would pay the penalty that we could not, that sinful man could never pay. I think John Stott explains it perfectly. He says the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the righteousness of Christ uniquely qualified him as our redeemer. This is why the action that I encourage all of us to experience today is trust. You see, God calls us to trust in the significance of the incarnation. God desires for us to trust in the sinless life of the one who was born in the manger. God invites you and I to trust in the actions of Jesus upon the cross that set enslaved people like you and like me free. To trust. And so right here on Christmas Eve, as we consider the incarnation, the question is, have you placed your trust? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Perhaps today. Perhaps right here on Christmas Eve as we celebrate, as we gather in our fancy clothes with our family and with our friends, perhaps today we can celebrate not only the birth of Christ, but new life in Jesus. We do that today when we recognize our sinful condition. When we place our trust in the saving work of Jesus, the scripture speaks of that is repentance and belief. When we repent of our sin, turn from those ways and believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that's when we experience the third truth that the Apostle Paul highlights in Galatians 4. Believers then receive God's adoption. We receive the adoption of God through faith in Jesus. Let's look back at Paul, at the Apostle Paul, uh, verses 5, the second half of 5, through verse 7. He says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir of God 
You see, through our trust in Jesus, we are adopted out of the slavery of this world and we are adopted into the family of God. It's a beautiful picture and we become heirs of God as part of his family. You see, it's the result of this incarnation. It's the result of his sinless, spotless life. And it's the result of his sacrificial death on a cross that believers can be adopted into God's family. And it's through these amazing acts of God's grace that you and I are invited to embrace God's redemption in Jesus. You and I are called then to embrace redemption that is found only in Jesus. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's a, that's a nice religious term. It's a nice religious term on a religious holiday. What does redemption look like in the real world? I mean, in a world where we have huge medical bills, where we have rising inflation. What does redemption look like in that space when we experience loneliness? Perhaps like no other time of the year than in the Christmas season, where can you and I find redemption today? In a word, we find it everywhere. You and I can find redemption everywhere. It is the experience to be set free, set free from burdens, set free from enslavement. We can find stories of redemption, of freedom everywhere. Fact of the matter is, most of you, if I would ask you, what's your favorite book? It would be a story of redemption. If I said, what's your favorite movie? It'd be a story of redemption. Even a basketball team from the University of Virginia. You see, at the beginning of our time together, I told you about the Cavaliers basketball team and how they suffered the biggest upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. Well, their coach is a man named Tony Bennett. Tony is a man who understands that redemption is found in Jesus. And you know what he did? He took that loss and he told his team, it is a painful gift. It's kind of curious, isn't it? You see, Tony understands redemption. Because what I didn't tell you is the following season... Tony Bennett and the Virginia Cavaliers came all the way back from this devastation to win the national championship. They not only went to the final four, they won it all. They cut down the nets. And in doing so, what they did is they were set free from the burden that they carried from their previous failure. They were set free from the pain of the loss that they experienced. And what you see in the story of that basketball team from 2018 to 2019 is a story of redemption. And I think it helps us see more clearly the significance of the freedom that we have because of Jesus. We have 
redemption in Christ. We are free from the enslavement of the law. We are free from the penalty of our sin. And we're not only set free from those things, we are set free to experience God's forgiveness and his grace. It's redemption. It's the thing that we all long for and often don't see much of in our day-to-day lives. And that's why right here on Christmas Eve 2023, I can point you to something that I'm grateful to have the privilege to do. I can point you to the life-changing news that Christmas brings. You see, when Jesus entered our world, he was the incarnation of redemption. And it is my hope that this Christmas, you will embrace the redemption that God offers to you in Jesus, the Christ child. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.